You're listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast. This podcast is available on Spotify, iTunes and Audioboom and via the Thoroughly Good blog at www.thoroughlygood.me. Please rate, like and share the podcast via Twitter and Facebook to get in contact. Email john.jacob at thoroughlygood.me, message at thoroughlygood on Twitter or post a message on the Thoroughly Good Facebook page. A recent announcement which you may have read about on the Thoroughly Good blog uh, about classical music streaming being up by 25.2%. It was made on Saturday the 12th of January. Now, I wrote about that because I was sent a press release about it, uh, and I said to the, the PR person who sent it to me that I would write write a blog post. I, I said that I would write the blog post, and then I read the press release, and then I thought, I wish I hadn't said that I would write about this. Uh, and because I had committed to writing about it, I basically said exactly what I thought. Uh, it wasn't... It wasn't un- it wasn't not pretty. It wasn't ugly. It was honest, as you would expect, um, and it seems to have landed reasonably well with most people. And I thought that was the end of it. That was the thing. I thought that was the end of it, and I wouldn't need to revisit that again. I could just put that away in a filing cabinet somewhere and just forget about it. This morning, uh, I stumbled on a video on Facebook posted by someone I know in the blogging community. Uh, Thanks, Holly. Thank you very much. I think we're about to go and talk about um, classical music. Um, come a long way, hasn't it, since what? Uh, Bach and Beethoven. Mm. Um, thanks to young stars who are really making it... Is it cool again, I guess? I think it is. And, and there's a real um, kind of reinvigoration of it. You know, lots of orchestras do stuff with, mm. you know, modern music. Yep. And it's changed it, changed it hugely. In the last two years, a 70% increase in sales. We're going to talk a little bit in a moment about why it's become so popular again. And the thing is that there's quite a lot wrong with the segment. It it opened a wound for me and it made me so angry to watch it that I thought I can either write another blog post, what's the point in that, uh, or I could just record this as a podcast and then I've done it, then I've got it out of my system and then it's over. The overarching message is broadly positive. It's broadly positive. Classical music streaming is up... uh, and there's a 60 60% of UK music sales uh, is down to classical music. So it's a broadly positive message. But when you dig into it, actually, the announcement is not really talking about classical music. It's talking about crossover music. Uh, I make no judgment about crossover music myself. Uh, I uh, appreciate that there are a lot of people who enjoy it and that's perfectly fine, really. That's perfectly fine. It's not something that I uh, seek out to listen to and generally speaking when I listen to it, I end up feeling slightly dissatisfied because it hasn't really developed, it hasn't really gone anywhere and that's that's just a reflection of my music musical tastes. That does not mean that I consider myself better uh, in my musical tastes than anybody else. It's just that it's not my musical taste. My beef is not about what people are listening to. It's to do with how we describe things. And when it comes to PR announcements and when it comes to journalism, especially around the subject that doesn't really get very much exposure and doesn't really get very much accurate exposure, I get I get quite exercised, quite exercised, because I know what some of these people are being paid. Uh, I know what's involved. I know the conversations that are had. Uh, 
and I can spot a puff piece a mile off. Uh, so we're joined now by Simon Webb from the BBC's Philharmonic and Alex Burns, a classical musician and blogger. Morning both, thank you very much. Hi. You must be delighted Morning. that suddenly classical music is cool, Simon. Well, I'm delighted. You think it's always cool. I think it's always been cool. <laughs> and I think what we're seeing now, uh, artists who are, they've got that originality, that authenticity, yeah. they're creative, the people like Sheku Kane Mason, Jess Gillum. And actually, this is what classical music has always done, but the audience now has a hunger, I think, for this originality, for creativity, for new music. Has part of the... I don't want to use the word renaissance because I don't think it, it is, is it? Whatever the right word to use is. Um, is that because classical music has embraced other genres? Like, I know, for example, the Halle Orchestra has done Harry Potter nights. You know, they, they, there's all sorts of Star Wars nights. You know, there's all sorts of different things that's opened it up to a new yeah. audience. I don't know. I, I think that the kind of popular media and film music, game music has made a real surge. And I think having live orchestra concerts with screen as well yeah. is, is becoming a real trend at the moment. So it's selling out concert halls. And it gets a real, you know, refresh different audiences in. People who might not have thought to go to an orchestra concert will probably go. I know someone who, sorry, sorry I yeah, didn't yeah. mean to interrupt you. No. Someone who, who went to watch Casino Royale and, and the music yeah. was played in live. If I'm going to break the television sequence down, uh, which I don't really want to do because that's really boring, but I'll, I'll, I'll flag some things that just are really annoying. Uh, number one is that in order to illustrate the idea that classical music is cool again i mean God, who says that who even thinks that uh they use a clip uh of the bbc philharmonic collaboration with jess glynn we're a thousand miles from comfort we have traveled land and sea but as long as you are with me there's no place i'd rather be which I remember happening when I was at the BBC. I remember commissioning uh, a blog post from a senior manager at the BBC Philharmonic, and it might have been Simon Webb, in order to sort of essentially position the BBC Philharmonic and explain why they were putting it on. I, I was particularly interested because I thought it was brilliant. So I really liked the event. I really liked the collaboration uh, in the same way that I like any, any moment when a really well-produced or well-written pop song is then orchestrated and played by an orchestra. It's, it's a magical thing. be a really good pop song uh, in order for it to work in order for the transition to work if you transition a pop song that isn't really very well written and then it's played by an orchestra actually that will expose its weaknesses so i think i think the process of doing it is really interesting and really and, and the good the good songs are really good but that is not an illustration of classical music let's not make any bones about it it is not a, an illustration of classical music it is also the case that there is very little evidence that bears out the the idea that if people listen to an orchestra, they will somehow get classical music. So there are some who have an aspiration. I think it's fair to say there are still some who have an aspiration that if if people listen to an orchestra, whether it's 
film music, orchestrated pop music, um, anything, that that will act as a gateway to classical music repertoire. It should also include a definition here. Classical music for me is not a period of time. Classical music is art music, i.e. something which is a piece of art. It can be played by an orchestra, but it's not exclusively played by an orchestra. It can be chamber music, solo music. It can be the voice. It can be one instrument. It 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 needs to be art music. Crossover music is not art music. It is mood music, but it's not art music. I'm I don't want to get in. Oh my goodness me! I don't want to get into all of that because th- that will make the podcast go on even longer. But but there is little evidence. I think I'm fairly fair on fairly safe ground here. There is little evidence that says that those who consume crossover or orchestrated pop or what have you, uh, or film music, they will go from there to classical music and discover classical music. I just, I just don't think that's the case. It might be an aspiration. I just don't think it happens. There's no place I'd rather be. Um, also, I'm just looking at this. So the streaming of classical music increased by 42% in 2018 compared to 33%. And I, I suppose also streaming lets you go on a journey, doesn't it, as well? I think the way that music's being curated on Spotify, or indeed BBC Sounds app now, but yes, I think there is there's a depth of experience in classical music which people are really having the opportunity to explore now. And I think some of these younger artists who are coming through, who uh, are really the product of the investment of probably the last 30 years in music education by orchestras, by the music education hubs, there's some really exciting work going on and has been for now some decades. We're seeing the fruits of that now. We're seeing these brilliant younger artists coming through who can explore music in a different way and allow the audience to find their own way through. As they increase in popularity, does it mean that some of the classical old composers that have been the mainstay that perhaps have been a barrier for some people because they felt intimidated by it. Are they declining in importance or, or not? Not in importance, no. I think still, if you, if you want to understand music, you know, study Bach chorales, listen to Beethoven's string quartets, certainly. This is truly great music. It's not going to go away, but there's always been fashions. You know, Brooklyn went out of fashions, coming back into fashion, Marla similarly, and this is fine. There's enough, of, there's enough music out there. There's plenty of music out there. I think what classical music provides is the breadth that the individual can find their own way through. And I think that's, that's what we've been doing for the last 30 years in education, really, is allowing people to find their own voice, their own taste. And I think classical music has always catered um, to tell us, Just watching that um, and seeing all the musicians, I mean, it is wonderful to see... It's really important that the genre is categorised in the right way. And even if the genre is categorised in the right way, it's even more important that those people who are charged with increasing its exposure uh, and raising awareness and those who are writing about it write about it in um, an accurate way in a way that represents the genre accurately it amazes me still and I have to say this happens a lot on the BBC Happened a lot on the BBC when I was there, but I was never able to say it. I can say it now. Happens a lot on the BBC. There's a lot of, there's a lot of lazy research. There's a lot of lazy journalism, and PR stuff is quite obvious when it hasn't been bottomed out. To his credit, Simon Webb clearly, for me, signals um, 
mild discomfort or, or mild dis-ease with what's going on in in the exchange because that's why he flags the importance of Mozart, Beethoven, string quartets and Bach chorales. Um, that, that sends a signal to somebody like me. Why is it that we are still saying that people might be intimidated by classical music? Who is saying that? Who is putting that message out there? Why are we still saying it? Because, let's be honest, classical music is not a rabid dog. It's not something that's going to come after you and kill you. It's just something that is unfamiliar. No other musical genre is described as potentially being intimidating to a new audience. So this is, a, this is just a fantasy. I think it's a fantasy, this idea that people are intimidated and because it's a fantasy, that says to me that this is just nonsense. It's so infuriating. And I used to be infuriated by it when I was at the BBC because I thought, I can see what's happening there. That doesn't require an encyclopedic knowledge. It just requires a care for the thing that is being put out. And that, that extends to journalists and presenters and also, in some cases, contributors. I'm sorry, I'm just going to flag it. Um, I saw that at the BBC when I was there, but couldn't say it. And now I see it even more. And, and I used to think when I was there that the reason it infuriated me was because I wanted to do that work. That's why. And, and I, so I would berate myself for having such a strong opinion. Now that I am free of the institution, I realise it's nothing to do with that at all. It's because it's so embarrassing. Because those people who care about the genre all say it's embarrassing. Those people who are watching BBC Breakfast probably don't listen to classical music, so wouldn't even know the difference. And so that means that they're being... as something that they don't really understand is being described in a way that isn't really very accurate. Well, what are the journalists paid for? And, and I, know, I know some will say, well, we're not paid very much. That's no excuse, is it? I thought the BBC was meant to be the... Okay, okay, I'm not. I'm not going to go there. There's, there's no. There's no time for that. But I. It's just. Whilst labels shouldn't really be important, and they're not really important, I do think that they are important, <laughs> because, because otherwise you're just sort of being quite cavalier, uh, sort of, quite. There's an arrogance in that ignorance. There's a. There's a sort of a cavalier approach, a sort of a, oh, that doesn't really matter. I can hear people saying it. That doesn't really matter. And it does. Because musicians train hard for a long time. Um, Even as a part of the audience, you feel part of it. Tell us what it's like from a musician's point of view. It's, it's great. For, for a musician, you know, kind of coming together with however many people, up to 100 people at a time, and making music together, you know, looking from the same score and making a whole piece of art every time is such a different interpretation and to allow young people to be able to do that and make their own interpretations of any kind of new music, new compositions, old music, whatever they, they want to do is I think is really special and is really important for us to keep encouraging and exposing so interpretations can be made. The skill of the, I mean I know this is probably a crass thing to say, but the skill is just incredible. I, I know someone who plays a similar uh, <coughs> instrument to you Alex who will go and do a film soundtrack and actually they don't even sing it before they turn up in the recording studio and they just yeah. do it. I mean, it's just the, the skill is something for the rest of us to really yeah. marvel at. Perhaps what the message really was, perhaps this is what the message is, is that because of an increase in streams 
for um, orchestras, because that's really what this is about. More people are listening to an or- orchestra playing a variety of different genres. That means that orchestras have successfully found ways of diversifying across different repertoire in order to cater for different audience groups. Maybe that's really what the story is. Uh, obviously, that doesn't really sound very interesting for BBC Breakfast, does it? So so rather than saying that, they just thought they'd mixed up terminology, just make themselves look slightly odd and and antagonise the people who really care about it. And that's that's saddening and it's maddening and, and it needs to stop. <laughs>